what God wants to do is something so undeniable through you that people cannot wonder about it. When is the last time you were used by God in such a way that when you walked away from that moment, not only you were convinced that that was God, but the people that had been involved were going, now that was God. That's what happened in verse 14. The, the, the Sanhedrin, who were not nice people, they were not on um, Peter, and they were not on their side. They looked at this and said this, verse 14, they could see the man who had been healed standing there. You want proof? That's pretty good proof. He wasn't standing here healed, and now he is. They saw proof that shocked them. And here's my favorite part. You know people that are full of themselves, right? Don't you love it when they have to shut up? I love it when people that are full of themselves have nothing to say. And in verse 14, they had nothing to say. There was nothing they could say. Now, when I think of words like undeniable, I've always wanted to be a man's man. I don't think I have the guns to be a man's man, but I, I just, in my mind, I pretend. I think of like a running back at the goal line, the last play of the game, and if he doesn't get in, their team doesn't win, and you watch him take the ball and hit the pile, and his legs are churning. He will not be denied. He's going to get into the end zone. I believe that what God wants to do in this county through us is a lot like that. He wants us to be doing something that is undeniable. We will not stop until we see God move like this through us. There was nothing they could say. Literally, the word um, undeniable means plainly true and incontestable. And I, I want to do this um, story time with Pastor Paul. I want to show you two examples, if I can. One of something that is undeniable, and one of something that is deniable. Hang with me, okay? Take a sip of coffee. Story time with Pastor Paul. Um, I read this. Isn't this look like a manly book? I, I was, I'm part of this thing where they send me a book, and I read it, and then I review it, and then they send me another book. And this is one that came to me, and it's a beautiful, girly cover. It's embarrassing to say that I read it. But here's the story that was in it. Here we go. I'll try to hit the highlights. <laughs> it's a woman that's writing this. Um, my daughter Christina and I were driving home from an appointment. It was a beautiful day. Since my car's air conditioner quit years ago, the windows are rolled down. We're about two miles from home when I hear the voice in my head say, go find Lisa. What? Lisa now? Go find Lisa, it says again. And I know exactly who Lisa is. She had been in her class at a community college where she taught. And so she's a pretty good teacher. I built a rapport with students quickly and easily. And during class, Lisa had delivered her scheduled speech especially well. When I complimented her after class, she thanked me and stayed an extra hour. She shared a piece of her story. She's a single mom of two boys. She recently freed herself from an abusive relationship. She lives on public assistance. Life is hard, but her heart is good, and she's smart to boot. There's always hope, I told her, and through tears, she agreed. Since then, her name had been on my heart. I knew she lived in an apartment complex across from the local big box store. I'd never been there, 
but I knew there were, more, there were apartments and each one looked exactly the same. I had no idea which was hers. Go find Lisa. Hey, Christina, I said, I know this is weird, but I think I have to do something. Okay. I feel like I'm supposed to find a girl named Lisa and ask her if she needs anything. Okay, well, where does she live? I'm not exactly sure. I guess we'll just have to pray. As we drive up the road toward an apartment complex, we pray that God will send Lisa outside her apartment and that we'll be able to give her whatever she needs. Um, when we find her, you think she'll think you're crazy, Christina says. Oh, I know I'm crazy, I said, smiling. But I think this is what I'm supposed to do. I guess we'll be okay. They pull into the apartment complex. She has no idea where the lady lives. So she prays, Lord, please send her outside. I slowly drive up and down the length of the parking lot looking for Lisa's familiar red hair and short frame. Instead, I see a guy leave his apartment and drive off to work and a blonde woman chatting on her cell phone on her front steps. Okay, Lord, now what? I gradually work my way up and down the parking lot again looking for Lisa. When she fails to appear, I roll down my window and call out to the blonde who just finished her cell phone call. Excuse me, do you know a Lisa who lives here, I ask? Um, that's me, she says, confused. Oh, your name's Lisa. How funny. Well, this Lisa has two little boys. I have two little boys. Um, this Lisa attends Mott Community College. Yeah, I attend Mott Community College. You do? How weird. Well, this other Lisa was in a class of mine a few weeks ago, and I just need to find her. I don't know any other Lisas who live here, the girl said. Oh, okay, sorry to bother you. I said, have a great day. And with that, they were off. Now, listen. Right up front, here's a woman who in her mind hears, I need to go find Lisa. And so she takes off to find her. She's pretty sure she knows what Lisa looks like. She finds a woman who doesn't look anything like the Lisa in her head. And so when she confronts her and says, hey, do you know where Lisa is? She says, I'm Lisa. She immediately assumes that she's made a mistake, rolls the window up, and drives away. I don't know if you've ever been in a place like that, okay? And so here's a chance for her to deny what God has told her to do. So she gets home. And she tells her family about what just happened and how she missed it. And her son says, Mom, you have to go back. God told you to. So I drop the boys off at the library. And Christina and I head back to the apartment complex praying, Okay, God, we're going to give this another shot. If this is the Lisa we're supposed to find, please have her outside again. Even before we pull into the parking lot, we see her standing on the sidewalk, pretty good sign, carrying a child. With a quizzical look on her face, she watches us pull in and park. I climb out of the car and walk toward her again. Hi, it's me again, I say. I'm nervous. My stomach feels like there are geckos fighting inside of it. What if she thinks I'm insane or a stalker? Hi, she says, shielding the sun from her eyes with her hand. I trip around my mind, searching for the right words. I might write and talk for a living, but I have no graceful way of telling someone that God told me to find her. I just go for it. Well, this might sound a little strange, but as you know, I am looking for Lisa. All I know is that she has two boys and goes to Mott Community College. I feel like I'm supposed to ask her if she needs anything. She squints at me, trying to decide if I'm dangerous or just really odd. I asked God if he really wanted me to help Lisa to please have her standing outside. Since you're the only Lisa who has two boys who goes to Mott and who lives here, I think I'm supposed to ask you instead. She raises her eyebrows and shifts her toddler onto her other hip. I take a breath. So, do you need anything? Is there anything you need? She looks around nervously. 
Look, I know I sound nuts, but I'm not. I swear. I'm a columnist for the Flint Journal, and I'm a teacher. My husband's a pastor of the church in this town. This isn't my idea. I really think God wants me to ask you what you need. Maybe I can help. Well, she says hesitantly, I just lost my car, so I don't have a way to get around. So if you know someone who's selling a car, I might be interested in buying it. I light up. This I can do. Really, it's not. It's so perfect. Outrageous, but perfect. I don't know anyone who wants to sell you a car, I said, but I might know someone who wants to give you one. You see that car right there? I said, pointing to my Honda, where Christina patiently waited for her mother. You can have it if you want it. What? It's a stick shift. Can you drive a stick shift? Um, my car that got repoed was a stick shift. <laughs> Excellent. I know she doesn't look like much, but she's a really great car, and we call her Stella. We just put a new muffler on her yesterday. She has 200,000 miles on her, but she's the best. Lisa is stunned by my offer. I really don't know what to say. I know it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, I know I'm a complete stranger, but I proceed carefully here. I'm trying to follow God, not be perceived as a religious whack job. I think God wanted me to find you today just to tell you he loves you. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to go now and talk to my husband. I'll be back in a few hours, okay? Um, okay, Lisa said, wiping tears from her eyes. I've been praying for a car. I had to choose between paying rent or my car payment, and I chose the rent. It's okay, I said, giving her a big hug. Now you'll have the car. I'll be back. She goes back and just asks her husband if it's okay to give their car away, and he says yes. Listen, example number one. That is undeniable. I know you had to listen to me read a long story. That's undeniable. There's no way that she can leave that situation and wonder, did God tell me to go find Lisa? Did God send her outside when I said, please send her outside? And there's no way that Lisa can deny that God moved in that situation. God, I needed a car, and you just brought me a car. Undeniable. Now, this next example of something that I, I think is deniable, I, I, need, I need to set it up. Wendy and I went to Awakening in Chicago, which is with Jesus Culture, fantastic group, um, where they taught, you know, speakers got up and taught on, you know, how God wants to use you to do healings and amazing things. And so as we're leaving one of the um, sessions, I walk out into the foyer of the United Center where the Bulls used to play, and there's this crowd of people that are starting to pray for a guy in a wheelchair. Now, back in the day when the Bible was written, when people got healed, there wasn't Twitter and Facebook and, and um, you know, flip video phones and, and all, I mean, flip videos and, and phones with video cameras on. There wasn't any of that stuff. But today, when that stuff happens, I don't know what you would have done, and I guess it would have been really spiritual for me just to, oh, Lord Jesus, but I just whipped my flip video out and turned it on and held it up. And so for 30 minutes, I stood and just videoed what you're about to watch. Now, I'm not going to make you watch 30 minutes worth of stuff, so I tried to edit it down, but I want you to know right up front that my heart was not to video this so I could poke fun at it. I'm not doing that at all. My intent was when this dude gets up out of the wheelchair and walks away, one, I'm going to have proof on this video that God healed him, and two, I'm going to be a millionaire because I'm going to put it on YouTube. <laughs> I'm just kidding about that millionaire part. So um, we're going to try to show you. It's about four minutes long. 
Hope it's it's might be hard to understand, but hopefully you'll be able to see it.
Okay, let's um, unpack this a little bit. And if you're listening online later on, I'll have a link to that YouTube video so you can watch it. I'm going to go ahead and say the obvious. That wasn't a miracle. Um, at the end, when the guy who I know means well said, there's a miracle manifesting, and everybody started screaming and clapping. They're clapping because they just drug a man out of a wheelchair and pulled him around on their shoulders and then laid him on the floor because his legs wouldn't move. And at that point, they cheered. Now, I want to make this very, very clear. There was a day I would have watched that happen, and I would have left cynical. And when I left that building, all I could think about was the stories I read in Acts where people were healed, and that lit something inside of me. It lit something in me that said, God, whatever it takes, I want you to move in an undeniable way in Stanley County in such a way that we read about here in Acts where they had nothing to say because this guy used to not be healed and now he's healed and he's right here in front of me. I can't deny that he has changed. That, what we just watched, is deniable. I I don't want to be a part of something deniable. I want the gathering to be a place where undeniable things take place. It, It will not always be flashy. Sometimes undeniable acts are very ordinary. Um, This past Thursday, a couple of us men went out and played lumberjack in the woods, and we cut trees, and we watched Nehemiah use this awesome piece of equipment that splits it and makes beautiful firewood. And then we loaded up, like, I think it was four, but it felt like 400 loads of wood, and we delivered it to a lady who burns wood all winter long. And just seeing her face... And, you know, for her, it might have had a whole different meaning. But for me, that's an undeniable act of God in her life. No one's going to videotape us unloading the wood into her, onto her property. But that's an undeniable act of God. I want us to be a part of things like that. Over the next few weeks, we'll dive into some, um, some pretty in-depth teaching about some things that cannot be denied And we'll learn that when those things are present in our lives, we will be a part of an undeniable move of God in our county. But for today, down to number two, I just want us to talk about one point, and it's enough for today. We already know that God wants to move through us with undeniable acts. Number two, for this to happen, we must have an undeniable association with him. Before we get too far into this, um, I want to just acknowledge something that we all know. We all begin to look like what we hang around. When I first met Wendy, and I moved from Albemarle down to Irmo, South Carolina, the home of the okra strut. What is it with small towns and their little festivals? You know, I mean, who came up with that? That's the okra strut. I don't, okra, you can like fry it, boil it, smash it, eat it raw, but I don't think it moves. I don't think, I don't think it struts. I don't know what that's about, but um, I moved down to Irmo. Now, I was raised 
um, a Tennessee fan because my dad's from Knoxville. And then I became a state fan. Woo, go state. <clears throat> Look, you might not fear us, but at least pity us, right? <clears throat> and so, you know, here I've been a state fan forever. So when I moved down to Gamecock country, I wasn't a Gamecock fan. But I'm a Gamecock fan now. Because you can't be around something and it not somewhat start to infect you. And so I'm around, you know, it's a college town, a university town. Every, everywhere you drive, you see, like, little garnet and black flags out the windows and stuff. And, you know, on Saturdays, I think I finally got to go to a game. And once you're at the game, it's like, oh, this is amazing. And I just became a big fan. Like, today, if South Carolina plays state, I'm pulling for South Carolina. If they play Tennessee, I'm pulling for South Carolina. It's just, it's in my blood now because I was around it for so long. Um, uh, we all know children who are the spitting image of their parents, right? And you, you'd be like, oh, you could never deny that you're so-and-so's son because you look just like them, right? I actually found out, I was curious where the phrase spitting image came from. I don't know if you knew this or not, but people used to say that you are the spit and image of your parents, meaning you're the spit, you're the stuff of your parents, and you're the image, you kind of look like your parents. And people just got, they must have been from the South because they got tired of saying spit and, and it just became spitting. <laughs> uh, you're just a spitting image. That's, it's got, that's just funny. Anyway, stuff like that. Um, not only that, I found some fun um, little pictures. Let's see. Let's do the um, pets and owners. Oh, I love this. You ever notice how pets look like their owners? Um, I found a bunch of these pictures. I'm going to get out of your way. Isn't that great? You can just, just click them one at a time. Yeah, that's the spitting image right there. I don't know if that's actually his pet, but I thought that was funny. <laughs> a dog with a Trump hair, that's great. So we, we become what we're around. If we're honest, sometimes we don't even like who we resemble. I was thinking about this um, way, way back in the day. Frank, you might have actually been at this, I don't know, but we had a men's meeting at First Assembly. I was an older teenager and so people would always you know call the house and they would talk to me like I was my dad because I sounded like my dad on the phone which actually is I had a lot of power I didn't realize it because my dad's a doctor so I could have been prescribing stuff left and right oh yeah what you need there is some um, you know whatever and um, I could have really had the whole county hooked on drugs but I didn't do that 
but we were at a men's meeting, and because of where I was in my life, when people would tell me that, that I reminded them of, of my father, it used to really tick me off because I didn't want to be like my dad. And we're sitting at a men's meeting, sitting in a circle, and it's just, you know, guys are talking like guys do, you know, lots of one-syllable words and grunting. And at some point, I just noticed that I was sitting, I had my legs crossed, and I had my, my arms crossed, and I had my finger like this. Like the whole, the whole crook of my finger in my, you know, under my nose looking like a little Hitler mustache or something. And as I'm sitting there like that, I just happened to look over and I noticed that my dad was sitting next to me in the exact same position. And so I immediately was like, <coughs> changed my position, you know, turned some other way. And like, it just, it just, I didn't like the fact that I found myself without even meaning to resembling my father. Sometimes we don't like who we look like. What I found interesting about this passage is that the men took note that these guys had been with Jesus. And in this verse, verse 13, it's a good thing to be associated with Jesus, right? But Peter, back in Mark, there was a time when he denied his association with Jesus. He didn't want to be known as somebody who was with Jesus. Sometimes we don't want to look like the people we look like. Here's what I want you to understand. I was going to bring lots of stats, but I'll let you Google it on your own time. Google stuff about social ills in the church. Depression. Divorce. Sexual immorality. Teen pregnancy. You know what you'll find? It's heartbreaking, but you will find that the church looks very much like the world that the stats are not that different. And yet we wonder why we don't have undeniable acts of God. It's because you can't deny your association with Jesus and still hope to have undeniable acts of God. The only way to have an undeniable act of God in your life to the world around us is to undeniably associate with Jesus. Peter had experienced Jesus' death, resurrection, forgiveness. He'd experienced the Holy Spirit's power. And now he stood courageously. Turn in your Bibles if you got it to 1 John 1, 1. If you don't have your Bible, just jot that down. And you can look it up later. I'll read it to you now. 1 John 1, 1. Again, why do we deny things? Because we're embarrassed? Because we're scared? Because we're not sure. I, I, I use this story all the time. Back when my brother was alive, we would go, um, I had to interpret for him because, you know, with his cerebral palsy, it was hard to understand what he would say. And so he would say something, and then people would look at any of us in the family like, well, you have to know what he just said because you're his brother or his sister. And sometimes you just had no clue. But he would ask everybody if they knew Jesus. Everybody. That was the first question. Do you know Jesus? Which now that I'm sold out to Jesus, that's a great question. But when I was a teenager and I didn't know if I loved Jesus, I didn't like interpreting that question for people. I still remember when we were checking out at the grocery store and he turned to the cashier and he said, do you know Jesus? And she turned to me and she said, what did he say? 
And I said, he, he's wanting to know where the cheese is. Because <laughs> I was embarrassed. I, I, it, my association with my brother and his love for Jesus embarrassed me. And so I denied that association. And we can laugh about that all day long, but we do it all the time. We deny our association with Jesus. Tomorrow when you go to work, will you deny your association with Jesus? I'm going to head to India in about 10 days. And I still remember being in India last time I was there, and I heard about uh, this woman. She's telling us this, this story about her life and how she worked in an, a cubicle with three Hindus who prayed specifically that she would die. And they all got saved because she undeniably stood for Jesus in a place where she could have been killed. And I just, I hear this story and I'm going, man, and we won't even pray over our meals? And then we wonder why there's no undeniable power of God in the church. It's because we've denied our association with Jesus. And here's why we have, because I don't want to be negative. I don't want to say we can't say because we haven't experienced 1 John 1, 1. Let's spin it in a positive way. When we experience 1 John 1, 1, we will no longer deny our association. Here's what it says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. How many of you people in here, when you're going to buy something, you want to touch it first? You look at it, you feel it from every angle. And then there's people like me that are like, come on, honey, it's on sale, just get it. But he's like, man, we have examined this. We have seen it. We have touched it. We, have, we know, we know that this is true. And what we have touched, what we have seen, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Why don't we proclaim our association with Jesus? Let me just submit it's because Maybe we haven't seen it, we haven't heard it, we haven't looked at it, we haven't touched it. But I'm telling you, when you see Jesus, when you have him touch your life, when you experience Jesus in a way that makes you want to never deny your association with him, you open yourself up to him doing undeniable acts through you. So one simple cut to the core question at the bottom of your page. Oh, sorry. Let's do the top page. I need to give you that thing at the top, Donna. Here we go. At the top of your page, undeniable acts for God come from our undeniable association with God. Undeniable acts for God come from our undeniable association with God. So that question at the bottom of your page is simply this. Are we undeniably with Jesus? Are you undeniably with Jesus? Let me tell you some of the stuff that we'll talk about over the next few weeks. I've been thinking about things that can't be denied. It's part of where this artwork comes from. Here's something that can't be denied. Darkness to light. You can't deny it. 
If we turned all the lights off in this room right now and somebody turned on their cell phone and held it up and it glowed like that wonderful glow from the iPhone 4S that's coming out soon, you could never, you could try to deny that that light's there, but wouldn't we all look at you and say that you're a fool? You can't deny darkness to light. You can't deny death to life. I mean, we could have a little demonstration right now. We could kill Devin, and he would be laying on the floor dead. And we could call, we could, Kathy's here. She could come take his pulse, and she could go, yes, I verified that Devin is dead. And if Devin suddenly stood up, well, first of all, he would stand up, and all of us would faint and be down on the, on the floor. But if he stood up, nobody could deny that. You can't deny death to life. Here's a great one for people that are um, in this great economic climate we have. You really can't deny debt to liberty. So if you, like if you owe $15,000 on your credit card and then suddenly it was gone, you couldn't deny that. You could hold up your account and go, look, I owed fifteen grand, and now I don't. Debt to liberty. Here's one last one. Desperation to longings fulfilled. You can't deny that. When you're desperate for something, let's just say we're desperate for a really good meal because it's getting close to lunchtime, and right now you're trying to listen to me, but your mind is starting to wander towards fajitas. Hmm. You're getting desperate for that fajita. You can hear the sizzle. Your mouth is kind of starting to water a little bit. In a few minutes when all of us go to El Ranchito because of what I just said, when you eat that fajita, that longing's fulfilled. And you could never deny that. And that's just four things. And over the next few weeks, we're going to look at how when we live with those realities in our lives, God starts to do undeniable things through us. Some of you could share testimonies kind of like giving your car to Lisa because I've heard the stories from you. But I want you to get this. It all starts with one simple question. Are you undeniably with Jesus? So this morning, the best way to kind of kick off this series is to evaluate yourself. Ask yourself where you stand in relation to John 15, 5. John 15, 5 says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the question is, are you with him or are you apart from him? Are you, is your life in a position where you're moving towards bearing much fruit or towards barrenness? It's a heavy question. So we're doing worship at the end because I, I want to give you the chance to kind of meet with God on that, to give you the chance to, to ask him, where do I stand with you, God? Can I even hope of undeniable acts in my life if I'm not undeniably associated with you? So, Father, we just want to give you some time this morning to wreck us a little bit like the video that we watched of the man in the wheelchair I, lord i can honestly say 
I am at a place in my life where I am craving that kind of boldness. Where I know without a doubt, undeniably, that you've spoken to do this. Go pray for that man. Give that person your car. Stand on first in Maine at 8.30 Tuesday night and wait. God, we're in a position where we want, we want to have stories like that. I believe that in this day, you want to move like that in our county so that the lost cannot deny you met them. And yet, if I'm honest, I have to ask myself, and all of us have to ask ourselves, am I undeniably associated with you so close, God, so close that you could speak and I would, and I would hear? And I want to be. We want to be. We are the gathering. And it all starts by gathering near you.